0: All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This episode of Literally is sponsored by Lexicon and Line. Case, tell us a little something about Lexicon and Line.
1: Uh, Lexicon and Line does three things. They, they are communications consultants. They teach professional business writing and speaking courses, and they are research and data evaluation experts.
0: And you can find everything about Lexicon and Line at lexicononline.com. Please give them a visit. And thank you so much for sponsoring this podcast, Lexicon
1: and Line. This is Case Johnston. This is Literally Podcast. Uh, we are rolling back again. We're in Ogden, Utah, um, and I can never remember what 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 do you call this? Studio A? Banyan
0: One.
1: Banyan One. We're in Banyan One today, talking to Dr. Shane Griffiths Griffiths uh, about her new books. Um, is that a new? Is Doctor new? No, it's always been Doctor. She just never made us. She's never made t- us say it. Well, I do it just to bother her. Um, but uh, but. Um, Today we're talking about two of her new books uh which you know um here's let's start with the bio see i'm not as practiced as i used to be uh shane griffith lives in ogden utah where she teaches creative writing at weaver state university her work has appeared in the georgia review prairie schooner cincinnati review and booth among other publications She is the author of the novels borrowed horses and scrapple and the short fiction chapbook the heart uh keeps faulty time Currently, she reads as part of the editorial teams at Barrel House and America's Short Fiction. Uh, for more information, you can visit her at sbgriffiths.com. Um, so today, we're going to talk about the new books. Um, both of them are coming. Well, Scrapple's out, right? Scrapple's officially out. It's, it's, it's yeah between covers um, and uh, available to buy. Um, and uh, is the Short Fiction chapbook also out already?
2: yeah yeah it actually came out i think uh let's see late march and so i managed to release both of these during quarantine right at, like the worst possible right. time to try yeah. and be
1: promoting books right um and i've heard that from so <laughs> many people especially a lot of people who this year would have been their kind of you know the, their awp birthday when the book mm-hmm. comes out cause you always want to go to AWP and you want to have, you want to go on the year where your book's coming out and yeah. cause it's always more exciting. Oh, that I way. was there. Oh yeah, that's right. You were there. <laughs> and, um, and it was just, it was different. <laughs> it, was the weirdest. it wasn't so weird. It was so weird. And, um, and I, you know, thinking back, I was thinking before I decided, well, I, I just said decided to go. I didn't, you know, I mean, I had always taken COVID seriously, but I thought the odds were so low and, um, now looking back, I'm thinking I probably should not have gone, you know, and, uh, but we did, we knew so little at the time and, yeah. uh, so many people just, you know, bailed. Um, but but our panel was huge. I mean, we were full, you know, because, because right. there was there, everybody, there were so few panels left. Um, uh, but it's been so, so weird. Um, so how has it been releasing two books? Books that you, I, I know you personally have uh, uh, been working on, um, and I know Scrapple that you've been in the works with Scrapple for years. Um, oh yeah. To come um, <laughs> to release a book uh, during this time, what's it? What's the difference between maybe, for instance, with Borrowed Horses versus releasing now?
2: Yeah, well, and and I have to say, like I am the, I describe myself as my own worst publicist. Mm-hmm. I am I am always in charge of, of doing my own, you know book tours and stuff as most writers are. And, um, and I'm I know writers who are really good at getting around the country and really getting things scheduled. Uh, with borrowed horses, I pretty much um, just contacted, any local university or library and said would you like to have me out and i was really fortunate and that a lot of them took me up on that mm-hmm. and so that was sort of my plan for these books as well and you know at the time i thought this is going to be work out great i'll be able to tour two books at once mm-hmm. you know like basically read a little of each at different events and call it good uh-huh. and and uh, and hopefully that'll work out and uh uh, instead, I've been doing a few Zoom readings here and there, mm-hmm. and um, and those are fun. Uh, they're they're very different, though. I mean, yeah. um, I'm I'm sure you know, uh, like it's it's you're reading to a computer rather to an audience, and so you're it's it's like the world's deadest room. You yeah. know, there's no reaction at all, and so you're like, I hope people are liking what I'm what I'm reading, but I've got. I've got no visual cues. I can't see somebody mm-hmm. smile or, you know, uh, I can't hear them laugh. And, and, um, I'm really missing that right now.
1: Yeah, that's hard. I did a webinar for Crave Nonfiction about, uh, teaching one and we had like 90 people on there and I couldn't see anybody. So it was just me reading mm. to my PowerPoint, you know, and that was really, oh, really wow. a yeah. difficult thing to be kind of, uh, it's what Case does on Sundays. It's what I do on Sundays. Uh, but um, reading to my PowerPoint, I couldn't see anybody, and that was one of the most difficult things that I've done. And I felt I found myself speeding up, and I found myself just kind of feeling just like really awkward about everything I say. Um, so I can imagine, ah. like with readings, when you're you really are there to just share your work, to not be able to see people kind of nod or smile or laugh or, or anything like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a different situation. Yeah. And each one is a little different too. I mean, sometimes, um, I've had some readings where the person managing the reading will make sure that everybody else's videos are off. And so, so you're really just looking at yourself, Mm -hmm. um, which in some ways is also distracting, but in some ways is really, nice because when the videos are on that can also be oh, sure. like then then you see everything that's going on in somebody's kitchen say right. and you're you're like do I really want to keep reading my book or do I want to like watch this fascinating television show that's now unfolding live action in front of me? I
1: think that would be weird. You know, they've probably got kids back there and you're like, I'm coming up on a a part that's maybe a little more adult. Should I kind of edit this? Cause there's a child in the room. Um, Yeah. But that's, it's gotta be strange. And I feel bad for us because just so many friends are, are having book years And books, and I, I, so a little bit of background, Uh, Shane was actually our first guest on Literally uh, three and a half years ago. Brandon, when did we start? That sounds about right. Three and a half years ago. And so Shane was our first guest, and she's actually uh, helped, she's hosted, uh, co-hosted quite a few of shows with us. Um, So we're very, as you can tell from the conversation, compared to talking with other authors, we're very comfortable uh, with each (laughs) other. Um, But uh, so and i've heard about the book scrapple uh for a while i mean we we talked about where it was within the within the writing process and where it was within the submission process and so when um she sent me both uh, uh, two weeks ago, I decided to jump into the novel because i really, it's been, you know, I'd heard a summary mm-hmm. of it and I'd heard, I've heard uh-huh. the different challenges of shaping and revision. Cause I know you've had some revision. I hope you'll talk about that. Um, oh yeah. With, with Scrabble and maybe it's life. Uh, it's, it's, it's publishing life so far. And um, so I jumped into the book uh, Scrabble, which is a, uh, which is from, um, what was the t- What was the publisher again? I, I have it on my phone, it's, but
2: that's all right. It's Braddock Avenue
1: books, Braddock Avenue books. And, um, oh. and I, so I jumped into that. It's a story. It's really about friendship in my mind. It's a, friend- mm-hmm. a story mm-hmm. about friendship. It's a story about a brotherhood, um, about family. Um, it's a story about, uh, a family that kind of just has gone through some rough things and they found themselves clinging to each other. And, um, and then friends, of course. And um, if you get a chance, you should pick it up. And I think probably Braddock Books is a good place to buy it from the website directly. And then. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Jeff, the publisher, would be thrilled if yeah. people bought it directly from Braddock yeah. Avenue uh, Books website. Uh, if for those who are like, "Oh, that's a step too far," <laughs> I get that too. Yeah. Um, all my books are also on Amazon, right. so they're easily found.
1: Yeah, and it, but if you get a chance, order it from the publisher. It's a yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean they've got beautiful books there, so we'll go ahead, go and um, buy other books as well. You know, because right now publishers could they could use it. Um, so, yeah. um, so tell us a li- the life of, of, of Scrapple. I mean, if you want to share that and how how where it, where it came from, where maybe where the idea came from, um, and then um, more about kind of where it is now.
2: Yeah. Um, so scrapple has got a long, long history. I mean, when I I wrote the first scene of Scrabble around the time that I wrote the first scene of borrowed horses and hmm. then I had to decide okay which book is getting my attention right sure. now yeah um, and so um, uh, borrowed horses one one that that battle I think just because I had more of a sense of what the overall story was going to look like Mm -hmm. um and so that one had a little bit more momentum going into the project um but yeah I, I had this this uh idea for the opening scene where uh Robert walks into his brother's apartment and finds his his brother's a few years older than him and he he finds um Uh, That his his brother has abandoned his own twin babies uh, in his apartment and they don't know where where uh, the brother Sean is. And so, like, at at first I thought, well, he's he's newly moved to this town. He's got to figure out, you know, sort of how to survive without his brother. Um, and then and I probably wrote 50 pages thinking this was a novel about him finding his place in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and realized that it felt very, very passive um, and, uh, and like Robert wasn't taking enough action. And I realized that this is also a mystery, mm-hmm. like where Sean has gone is a mystery and that Robert needs to try and solve that mystery. And once I got that piece, uh, then it got more shape and more momentum and I could write from there. So that helped a lot um but uh but yeah uh it went through so many like I, I spent a long time writing it and revising it um and then um decided to shop it to some agents and it actually got uh picked up really quick like the second query letter I wrote um by an agent and then for the next three years we were in a cycle of um, I would, she'd say, oh, I just think it needs a couple more revisions. And I would, set, you know, make the changes she requested and then more, cause I would always see more things like, oh, I can tinker with this, tinker with that. Um, and, uh, and you know, then I'd, I'd send it back to her and I'd feel pretty good. And then a couple weeks later I would hear, uh, yeah, it's, I love this book so much. It's so great. I just think it needs a few more revisions. And, um, after, three years I got um one day just a really you know the email we all dread where the agent said you know I'm not sure if I'm the right agent for this book mm-hmm. do you have another book that we could look at instead and I was thinking what are you talking about I've been spending like all my time and energy yeah. trying to make this book better instead of writing something else um what why and does so, that happen um, from from agents though don't know i don't know if she was just in a different place i don't know um, if the publishing world was in a different place um i i i'm not sure what happened or like what what changed or if she just didn't think she could sell it which is i mean really for an agent it's less about do they like the book and more about do they think they can sell the book um but whatever whatever it turns out to have been the case uh i think where i lucked out was that every time i sent it back to her and you know she was reading it i would be tinkering on little short stories and short fiction and Mm -hmm. and things like that and writing those and so uh, you know right around the time that um That I started sending Scrapple out on my own, just directly to independent publishers. I realized I've got enough short fiction for a a chapbook, a short book of of, uh, a a short story collection, and so I started sending that to to presses as well. Which is why it ends up making me look super productive when really it was just like a lot of failure, Um, and then just you know just writing to pass the time during (laughs) during those down down moments. Yeah. Um so it worked out well. <laughs> but it didn't feel like it for a while there,
1: as you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. And but the crazy part is is it sounds like you did get a lot out of those downtimes though, like with all the flash fiction mm-hmm. and other and essays yeah. and and other because I know they've been charging sure. essays and, and short fiction and um and so I mean Yeah,
2: I'm currently shopping a collection of essays right yeah, now. So we'll yeah. see what happens there. <laughs>
1: right. That's yeah, I uh yeah. Hopefully, well, fingers crossed. I mean, and hopefully it'll come out. <laughs> hopefully we'll have a a vaccine for COVID and then uh-huh. your essays will come out after that vaccine. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah. so you're <laughs> able to really do those things with it that you want to do now. Do do you think like yeah. maybe, maybe when this is done that you will try to do kind of some of those events, even though, you know, the, the books were published in March and April and May of this year?
2: Yeah, it's tough to say and I don't I don't really know. I'm like I said I'm I've never been really great at going out and like hustling up a whole bunch of readings in the first place. Um, and honestly, like my my first novel Bar- Borrowed Horses ended up selling a lot better than it should have mm-hmm. um considering like I think it was reviewed in one place ever. Mm-hmm. Um and then you know, and I did, you know, like the the local Utah University's readings, but for some reason people bought the book and they were on and that put it in the algorithm and, um, more people got it because it was suggesting it to other people and I mean it's it's still a small press book it's not like yeah. gangbuster seller or anything like that but it you know it found its audience and so I'm kind of hoping that even though there's a limited amount of support work I can do now um, with the lockdown that hopefully Scrapple still finds its audience yeah. and that people like the book and they, you know, say, Hey, you know, friend or Hey, other right. person, like you need to read this book as well. And, and um, you know, who knows, hopefully it connects
1: with people. Yeah. So did you bring anything to read for us today?
2: Um, I, I
1: could read something. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah. Whatever you want. Yeah. Did you have any that you wanted to hear in particular? Or? Um, I'm, I think maybe, you know, when they find the babies or okay. even when, even the scene, you know, there's the scene too uh, with, well, I don't want to give too much away, but there's uh-huh. a scene with a young woman who lives next door to Sean and Angela, mm, um, which yeah. might be a little intriguing too. It's up to you. Though. Oh
2: yeah, you no, that's course. a good call. Um, I'm, i w I'm not sure if I can find it off the top. I know I can definitely do the 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 finding the baby scene. Okay. Um, because I've got that one marked. I have to go back and and find the other one. No, it's right. Um but uh okay, so so just a little setup here. Um uh Robert is from a small town in in Oregon, um, called Herman. It's a totally fictional town. If you try to find it, you won't. <laughs> but, it sounds like it would be
0: in Oregon, though. It does sound yeah. like
1: Oregon
2: well and uh i was thinking very much of sisters in oregon but mm-hmm. it, this is a book about brothers and brotherhood so i thought you yeah. know hermano and um hermano and and herman and that's yeah. that's why it's herman oh, I see. um anyways uh yeah and sisters uh, is a great so it, town it's, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> yeah. right yeah, so this town. is this is the little like subtle nod to to you know a brother version of sisters um anyways so uh so it's this little town in Oregon. He's moved to, to Philadelphia and, um, and they have decided that they're going to go to the brother's apartment for the first time to celebrate the kickoff at the school that he used to play football for before he got his girlfriend pregnant and had to drop out. Um, and so, uh, so let's see, this is, this is uh, Robert and his mother and his little sister, Bridget. Their mother knocked a third time, but the crying only sharpened. The apartment wasn't supposed to be that big. A converted hotel suite, Sean had said. Just a living room, bedroom, and galley kitchen. This was his third apartment in a year and the smallest yet, but, Sean said, it had a view of the Schuylkill through the gaps in the buildings. What's taking so long, Bridget asked. She was five and impatient, and they ignored her. Their mother handed Robert the housewarming fern, chosen because it reminded them of Oregon, all green and optimistic. Her face settled into a hard, stubborn worry. The tension built up in her. It pulsed from her skin in waves. She put the spare key in the lock. Her mouth pressed in a line. She laid a hand on the knob. Later Robert would know that his world folded flat in that instant, though the moment was over before he was aware of it. He hardly saw a thing as his mother slipped inside, but he did see something. What exactly? Already he was trying to reconstruct the fragment of color and motion he'd glimpsed before his mother's hand caught him in the chest and pushed him back before she said, wait here with Bridget, before she closed the door. None of the things that should have been in the living room were there. No smell of popcorn hanging in the air, no ice-cold cokes dripping on the table, no Sean smiling to welcome them, no Couch, no coffee table no big screen tv the room was empty except for a large rectangular crib the crib wasn't right it had a flowered bed sheet pulled over it the corners tied down so it looked like an oversized bird cage and a little hand had he seen that at the sheet's edge a small fist squeezing between the rails loud crying echoed in his ears as if opening the door had increased the volume in the hallway even after the door had closed he could feel the palm of his mother's hand on his chest where she'd pushed him it smells out here bridget said she hadn't realized he she hadn't seen he realized she hadn't seen and he couldn't tell her robert stopped her as she reached for the door mom said to wait i don't want to wait we're going to Bridget crossed her arms and stomped her pink shoe. But Robert didn't care so long as she was quiet. He strained his ears, listening. You want something to do, he said. You can hold the fern. I'm not holding that dub thing. Through the crying, Robert heard movement. Just one person. Maybe Sean had gone to look for them. But the game should have started by now. Hassler had a strong coach and a talented running back. Anything might happen, even against Notre Dame. More minutes, more waiting. Finally, open up for me, Robert, their mother said, tapping the other side of the door with her foot. She had a baby in each arm and Sean's old duffel over her shoulder. Where's Sean? Bridget asked. And Angela, Robert didn't say. Press the down button, Bridget. But press it.
1: Yeah, so and that's, I mean, that's this really... I mean, this sets this whole story off. I mean, in the sense that uh, the family is the mom and the brother and the little sister are all expecting one thing, and then the carpet gets pulled out from underneath them, and they've got two little babies to take care of for the rest of the book. Um, yeah. And so you've said that. I mean, so you said that this was written like forever ago when you were starting <laughs> yeah. when you were starting Broad Horses as well. Has this one yeah. has has that opening scene? stayed true did it make it through the revisions or is it was um there something-
2: the the heart of it has the character changed a lot um mm-hmm. i think when i first started drafting this book um the main character was the character that's now jerome um okay. and and uh and so he was the one that was finding this and then i i decided that that wasn't really gonna work um uh i mean for a lot of complicated reasons mm-hmm. but um but mostly, I was just the wrong person to write his character as sure. a point of view character, mm-hmm. um, and so um, and so Robert sort of was born out of that. Um, but yeah, the the big change was like once once I had Robert um, figuring out like what was what was the the sort of propulsive force of the book. What did it need mm-hmm. uh, to keep going from there?
1: Yeah. So that did change. Yeah. And Jerome's a great character. um, Thank you. And he's probably, he's probably my favorite character in the book. He's my favorite too. You know, know, he's just, he's, he's, he's brave and he's strong and he goes through a lot of stuff. And, um, but, you know, um, I understand why as a writer, we've maybe pulled back writing him yeah. as the protagonist I feel
2: like I should yeah explain that a little yeah, bit for yeah. readers who haven't um and I'll just I'll just say outright um Jerome is African-American mm-hmm. um and um I mean when I started this this novel I was a lot I was a younger writer I was a more ambitious writer in some ways mm-hmm. um but maybe one that was not as aware of my own personal limitations mm-hmm. um and and it was a different political climate yeah, as well. And things have changed um, even
1: within the literary world when it, when it when oh, yeah. it comes to appropriation and and all of that. Yeah.
2: yeah so, exactly. I mean, that really and I think my awareness of
1: right,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. My awareness like really early on. I and I mean this was probably also part of the reason that I went with Borrowed Horses first instead of mm-hmm. um Scrapple was was realizing Like there is appropriation if you're writing across racial lines Mm -hmm. Um, and it's probably enough to write across gender lines and not to try to take on both of those things. Um, But uh, yeah. So, uh, so that all became part of it.
1: Yeah. And I mean that, that landscape has changed in the last 10 years. I mean, there wasn't this, Mm -hmm. it wasn't, uh, the the discussion wasn't as big or as controversial uh, ten right. years ago, um, right? Uh, or, 15 or fifteen years, years ago, ago, which you, is yeah, yeah, 15 yeah, years ago, right? Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, and that's quite a bit different. Um, and it's hard. That's hard. That's hard to navigate as writers because yeah. you, especially when you fall in love with a character you're writing like Jerome, uh, right? It's hard to say that to yourself. Like, I don't know if I'm the person to write this. At least within where the literary political world is right now. I mean, maybe ten right. years from now. I mean, because it's hard. I mean. I think that a lot of it comes down to and you know, and that's where the discussion lies too, is I mean, if you have especially Mm. if you've looked at the American dirt situation, you know that. And that's a big one in the sense that the writer appropriated but she and I haven't read it. I have I haven't read Neither have Uh, I. I, I've read read the controversy extensively. But she appropriated all the stereotypes and Mm. not didn't give respect to her characters on a real actual human level and that's from what I understand yeah. where not that she wrote it that, that and that she used um, um, immigrants at the border as her characters but the way in which she did it that was just stereotypical that was just kind right. of almost like you know, torture bait or it was like that kind of yeah. idea of using stereotypes to sell books. Um, Exactly. Because I think what people have done, I think people have uh, used, uh, written people of of different ethnicities or race, and they've done it well and they haven't caught the flack because they've done it in a way that is uh, appropriate to. Without appropriate. Without appropriate. Without (laughs) appropriate. Yeah. And I think that's the. But we're still kind of on one side of that pendulum right now. And I think that that's. Yeah. I think it'll swing a little bit more the other way but we've got to get through that too
2: Yeah. yeah and when i look back like my initial impulse i think it came from i think a a good instinct to go like there are not enough um, characters of color represented mm-hmm. in our books mm-hmm. um, but then you know having to sort of do that that sort of self discovery of like yeah but that doesn't mean I'm the person to fill yeah. that gap and, um, yeah. and and it's funny because I've even had this conversation with students because um, I'll have students from time to time ask me well why can't we write a character of color and I'm going to say listen like these are your books like mm-hmm. you have to make these decisions I can only tell you why I made the decision right. not to and where um, and it yeah,
1: ha- where the argument is look. right now, yeah, you know, right. It
2: ha- and for me, it had a lot to do with power. Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, if if you are from a race or a gender that is in more power, it's it's difficult to write across that line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, I, I once heard somebody say that they thought if somebody was in a more like a disempowered position, they had to pay attention to the people in power and to read them in some way to navigate that space in a way that people who are in power don't have to do quite that level of reading. And and so there's just more blind spots sure. um, if you're going the other way. And so it's like, hey, I have to re- recognize mm-hmm. that, you know, um, as, as a person who was born with white skin in this country, I was born with a hell of a lot of privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that that privilege you know has left me with two is is blind spots where you know as much as I want to see the world clearly Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not going to be aware of everything I need to at least if I'm writing from the point of view of that character now at the same time clearly I want to keep my world rich Mm -hmm. like I don't want to leave those characters out of the book um, oh, but to jump back to, to, the, to the story that I was, I was telling, like I had a student in class who was, who was asking about this and, and an African-American student in my class who asked me, you know, she said, but who's going to tell my story? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you know, if, if the writers who are out there, like that she sees, which, you know, unfortunately she had, you know, seen mostly white writers growing up and she said, who's going to tell my story? And I told her, you know, I want you to tell your story, yeah. And that's that's where I landed on the issue. Um, mm-hmm. but but I also get her yearning and, and I have an awareness too that the public publication industry is not as welcoming to writers of color as mm-hmm. it needs to be mm-hmm. for these gaps to really be filled in a meaningful way. Yeah.
1: It's true. And yeah. and, and at the same time we have to do like you said, like we can't whitewash all our books either, you know. I mean we just right. you know, right. we need yeah care, we need to do our best to Infuse real life. I mean, this is this is Philadelphia. It's not. I mean, yeah. You know. I mean, this is a, a diverse city, and if if you're writing yeah. a book about Philadelphia and there's no diversity in your book, that's a that's a problem that is probably worse than yeah. the other. Well, that's how it's yeah. difficult to say, but that's that's a problem yeah. too. Um. So I, I, I yeah, I, I can see that. And well, he was my favorite character. Yeah. Um. Because his pers- personality was very, he was kind you know, and he was giving yeah. and he, you know, he gave the protagonist of Robert uh friendship from the beginning, which was, I, I felt like this was his, his anchor at a point when he needed an anchor. And, mm-hmm. and that's why, yeah. that's why I loved Jerome so much. And, and you show the yeah. the, the conflict between his, 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 his even deciding on his sexual preference really well i thought that that Mm -hmm. was really subtle and i mean and Mm -hmm. i think a lot of writers really you know they go after that as this is something that i you know i'm going to make it really dramatic um Mm -hmm. but you didn't do that you made it this subtle kind of moment in a scene within the book where he says oh you know are you gay and Mm -hmm. and he says i don't know what i am i don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on and then i think that's so real towards people who are just trying to figure out their yeah. identity and i and I, I appreciated that about Jerome that he was just kind of oh thank you he was honest and he's like i i don't yeah. know you know um and i appreciated that about Robert too where he was able to just say well okay you know I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stick around no matter what and so i mean it's a good book it's scrapple and um and like i said buy it from the publisher if you can buy it from amazon mm-hmm, yeah. um but phil is in on um on the chapbook before Um, sure yeah
2: sure um so i had been um i've got i've (laughs) i feel like i could never stay in one type of writing mode very long Mm -hmm. like a lot of my stuff is sort of what i would call um literary realism it's set in a real world sort of situation um but a lot of my flash fiction is less so um and so um for instance the story that starts off the collection is a is about a man who um, decides to have the nuclear codes implanted in his chest, and um, and the president would have to kill him to get the nuclear codes to start a war. Mm-hmm. Um, so not exactly the world that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. um, although maybe a commentary on it. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I was writing a lot of these little stories, and I, you know, thought I thought of them really as just sort of one-off fun pieces. Um, and then one day i was thinking about it and i was like huh that one's kind of sci-fi and that one's kind of got this sort of like um uh, historical fiction bent to it and that one's kind of a superhero story and i thought what if i leaned into this and and considered these sort of you know weird takes on just different genre fiction mm-hmm. and and so i i uh, i started looking around and i realized if i if i looked at it that way i actually had a lot of stories that related to each other even though I hadn't been thinking about them mm-hmm. as a book project when I started it. And so I pulled those together um and I wrote a, a one or two more small ones around the same lines uh, and started looking for uh, chapbook competitions and mm-hmm. um this the second one I sent it to they they took it. I mean it was it was took taken so fast and I couldn't be happier. Uh, yeah. Bull City Press is the publisher mm-hmm. and they're phenomenal. They've just done an amazing job with it.
1: That's got to feel so good. I mean, oh really yeah, it really does. Yeah. You know, after,
2: it's so you nice know, to have a quick win know, after you're like quick, slogging and slogging.
1: I know. It really, yeah, it's got to feel so good. And, uh, and to just show that there are two sides of the publishing industry where you could just catch really quickly. And, and I guess that's why yeah. we continue to submit. Right. I mean, so that we could, uh, yeah. <laughs> the, <there's, laughs> we, in our brains, in the back of our brains, you think, well, yeah, this could take four years or, but then there is the side that somebody just loves it really quickly. And yeah. And it catches. And those are those are wonderful. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, or you would...
2: And it's like each one sort of reminds you of like it, that at the end of the day, it's, you know, like the dude in the big Lebowski. It's just like your opinion, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Like at the end yeah. of the day, it's just like some editor likes it or mm-hmm. he doesn't and or she doesn't. And that's fine. Like, yeah. Like it just resonated with that one person. And that unfortunately is gonna mean it either gets an audience or it doesn't, but still at the end of the day, if you're like, if you're happy with the work itself, that's the thing that matters the most. Cause the other part is so, you know, just hard to catch a hold of. Right, and I think we're
1: lucky to be at a point in our careers where we've seen it all. And so we can you know, (laughs) we can say, you know, it could catch, like I didn't publish one thing in 2019. That was my first year ever. And I've had mm-hmm. seven acceptances and they all started in April. Started sending out in hey, January. congratulations. Seven, seven acceptances. They're all coming out this summer. And I'm like, what is going on yeah. here? You know, I have no You're idea. You're on fire, yeah, man. And it's <laughs> like, but all of 2019 was like, should I give up writing? You know, I mean, this no. is really, really, <laughs> uh, but it shows you like just the journeys of both of these books where Scrabble, yeah. where it was a, a decade long work. Uh, yeah. And it gets picked up and it's at a good home and it, it, yes, you know, it looks yeah. great. And, happy, happy. And, yeah. yeah, you're happy. And then another one you work on for, you know, in between here and there. And then it gets picked up easily and it's at yeah, a great home. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I think like we always talk about with this podcast, if you're listening and you're just starting to write, this is a great example of that's why you have to su- believe in what you're doing Yeah, and keep submitting because you don't know. Yeah. It could be number two or it could be number 100. And yeah. they both end up at two really nice homes, two nice publishing yeah, yeah. houses. So it's like, yeah, you know, it was, it was, be, yeah. been doing it long enough to know. All right, let's go to Submittable, you know, and let's go check right. it out. But um, though I'm just well, congratulations, it's it's great, and I just Thank like you. I said, Thank I've, you. I've known Scrapple's journey, um, and so that's why I I, I delved into Scrapple over the last week. Um, mm. And I enjoyed it, and I loved I love the literary realism of it, um, just because oh, thank you. Th- those are the books that I I like. I love I like those, and then I like Ruth Ware with these, with her like suspenseful mysteries. But um, but those are what <laughs> I, those are the type of books that I I really enjoy is the the real life, the literary um, things that happen. Yeah.
0: Uh, I have a question. Yeah, um, lay it on me. On on process. <clears throat> You know, and you mentioned, you know, you know, writing in a different race is hard, but I think even well, every character is developed as the is the assumption of the of the writer, right? It's like what is our I mean, we're we're developing a character no matter who it is. Uh, if if I was I'm from the United States and so if I was writing a white person from Ireland or Great Britain, like right. I, I wouldn't even know the cultural background of how to appropriately do that and so right at, at which point as a writer do you uh, do you do the the back looking at the background the historical context or do you just say like I'm gonna leave this character out like <laughs> like yeah. you know, you know when yeah. do you th- feel it's safe to include the character as long as uh you're, you do enough character development or your intention is correct or right. or on point you know what I mean like how do how, do, how should writers maybe approach that
2: yeah, no, I think that's a really good question, a really tough question. I think um, if I feel like I don't know who a character is well enough, I can't write that character. And where they're from may play into that, or their or their ethnic background, or their you know all all sorts of things might play into that. Um, one one of the things that I that I tell my students that I see as a red flag is if we start talking about a character as um, as a type. So, like, if I hear my students say, um, oh, a, wooden, a woman wouldn't do that, or a man wouldn't do that, or a black person wouldn't do that, or mm-hmm. a Hispanic person wouldn't do that, or like whatever it is, um, I'm like, okay, we're thinking about this person as a type rather than a character, like, as a person. And so, um, like, that tells me that the writer has some work to do, because the question is, "It wouldn't a woman do this, it is whether this woman would mm-hmm. do this, or not whether, you know... You know, an alien would do this, but whether this alien would do, you know, whatever it is, whoever your character is, um, filling them in enough in terms of their characteristics, personality, what have you. Um, That said, like, I do think the place that we're from plays heavily into how we perceive the world. And so if a writer, as a writer, if I don't know enough about that place and the cultural you know, baggage that the that the character may carry, um, whether they're in tune with the place that where they're from or reacting against the place where they're from. Like, I I have to know enough to develop that character, especially if I'm trying to write them as a main character, somebody who's who's going to have a lot of time in the book. Like, I think the more you get to see that character talk, act, think, um, if you're especially if you're in their head, like you really have to know what. What and why they're thinking the
1: things they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, not easy. Not no, not easy. No, and no, then you have to no. you have to let your reader in on all of that too. So when they do make a decision, yeah. and they they have they have to be able to say, well, I'm I've been informed well enough through past scenes or whatever it is that this mm-hmm. is why they would do that. And so they're not going, so they're not again not pulling the rug underneath of them. Going, well, that woman. Right wouldn't do that because of where she's been um maybe other women would but that woman wouldn't you know
2: right and how much work voice and action together can carry like i was just thinking about the movie i tanya Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've seen it but it's about tanya harding and um what's her name is it allison janey who plays her mother Um, Oh, yeah, I think so. Her mother's character is wild. Mm -hmm. Like, she does stuff all the time that you're like, oh, my God, what kind of mother would do that? Mm -hmm. And she's the one that might prompt somebody to say, oh, a mother would never treat her child that way. But, oh, boy, does that mother treat her Mm -hmm. child that way. And, like, so quickly, we're like we're so situated almost immediately to who she is Mm -hmm. that by the end of the movie, it's almost impossible for her to surprise us. Well, she continues to surprise us, but we're like, yeah, every single time we're like, Oh, that fits. Yeah. Yeah, Of course she would do that. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I just read a book called if you tell, which is a true crime Uh novel um, Mm. about this woman from, or from Washington who like tortured people to death. And Mm. it's, she gets out of jail like this year. And so her daughters are like, we need this book written. And it was really, really well done, but it's the same way. It's like, they start the book with, she tortures her children. And then by the end of the book, you're like, you mean she takes another guy into their home? And they're like, no, we know this lady, she's going to torture him too. And she does, she ends and you're like, yep, she did it. But we knew it from the beginning because this lady is that insane Um, but she gets out it's a great book it's well done especially for a nonfiction writer to just tell it in narrative it was really really well done Uh, but it's the same thing it's like it's established early that this person is this crazy and they will do these things and I think that's where some writers get into trouble is they don't establish them as people but they establish them Mm -hmm. like you said as a type or as an ethnicity or as a race and that's how they're established, not as human beings, not as just yeah. a, any human so hard. living in yeah. the world, you know. Um,
2: I think we're so, like, hardwired almost to categorize people mm-hmm. and to put them into groups. And really, as a writer, you have to, in some ways, work against that and let them be, like, fully complicated human beings mm-hmm. on the page. And that is so hard to pull off. <laughs> but, it, it and I I can tell, like, every time I'm not accomplishing it, like, that is it's the hardest thing thing it's like going like wait a minute who is this person why are they doing this thing that's expected instead of the thing that
1: yeah
2: you know what what, what would this person really do in this situation
0: it, it's also interesting to to read something like a future reader to look back and read something and say oh yeah but that was in the context of or the from the perspective of and so if your characters right. miss it But then somebody from the future, you know, somewhere else could it and says, oh, well, this is what this person who grew up here thinks that my character Mm -hmm. would do or should do Mm -hmm. or would look like. And and there is there value in that of of, because now you get insight into how someone is trying to portray somebody else. um, And that that becomes interesting as well.
2: Oh, for sure. Um, Like, I mean, I think that's that's where we get the whole field of literary criticism. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, I think of like I love Charlotte Bronte. I love Jane Eyre. Um, but boy, she does not have a whole lot of views. Like some of her views are ones that I am like just abhorrent to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like she's pretty virulently anti-Catholic and I was like born and raised Mm -hmm. Catholic. Like that's a tough pill to swallow. And yet, you know, if we look at like, okay, where is she from? And I'm not going to excuse her for those behaviors, but I'm going to read with that context in mind Mm -hmm. of like, we all have our limitations, even like, brilliant writers who write amazing novels have some severe limitations mm-hmm. and we can look at how they act in the novel and where they pop up um, and I think it does help us understand both that time and then when we see it in our own time cropping up as well it's like oh yeah it's still with us because mm-hmm. this is a part of, of of human nature that we are continually babbling against and we haven't yeah. got a handle on yet
1: yeah yeah absolutely and as writers it's trying to handle it and yeah, that, yeah. going back to the book, I mean, I thought I thought um, mm. I thought the characters were were handled very fairly and honestly. Oh, and thank that's, you. That's all you can ask for as a writer, really, is to. <laughs> thank you. you, know, you. Yes. Um, but it, yeah, But I did. I really. And Jerome was my favorite character and I could see why you loved writing him. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So. All right we're at our we're at our turning point we've been we've been doing really good we've been wrapping these things up and i think people have liked them better because it's like very succinct and um Mm. but anything else you want to add about the two books uh before we before we sign off today
2: oh let's see um you know nothing's really jumping out at me Mm -hmm. to say like i just appreciate everybody I, i guess i could tell you like if you're interested in reading the first chapter of scrapple it is published online um and oh my gosh, why am I blanking on the name of the online journal? The Embark. Hmm. Uh, there's an online journal called Embark, uh, and they do first chapters of works in progress. And so, um, like probably a year ago or so, they published the first chapter oh, cool. of Scrapple. Cool. Um, and so it's it's maybe I don't think that it's cha- I don't think the first chapter changed a lot since then. But mm-hmm. if people are interested in just seeing like is this a book for me, that might be a, a yeah. place that they could check it out.
1: Yeah, and I think with Scrapple too, just to, just from my point of view, I think it straddled, I think it kind of straddled YA to young adult, a uh, YA to adult fiction. So I think, I mean, this is a book that I think this is a book that teenagers could read and enjoy, uh, because the main the protagonists and the main characters are teenagers um and there's and there there's not any there wasn't anything in it that i thought would be that a parent would worry about their teenager reading um at all yeah and it's a very you know thank you so yeah. much for saying that yeah. um
2: like it, it honestly i think that was the biggest the, the biggest hurdle this book had to overcome mm-hmm. was that it had a foot in bon- literary yes. fiction mm-hmm. and a foot in in young adult yeah. and um and honestly, like I didn't want to dumb the prose down. Right. Uh, which, when I talked to like several agents, especially after I left left the one agent, they were like, "Can we, you know, yeah. put this in first person present tense? Can we uh, take out the introspective uh, introspection? Yeah. So he's not like actually thinking that much." And mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't yeah. want to do that." And then, and then if we, if we wanted to push it more towards literary fiction, um, should this not be in Robert's point of view? Should mm-hmm. this be in his mother's point of view, or you know, somebody right. else's? And I was like well that's not quite the book either yeah. um but what i was hoping was like i wanted to write the book that as a teenager i would have enjoyed reading right. like yeah. something that was you know still thoughtful and smart but about um teenagers right. and so well that's what i was... um but i hopefully adults like it too. yeah <laughs> that's, I, well, it's I, not I, just I, a teenager yeah book, i but... really like it and that's what i told
1: I mary when i finished reading it i said well it, it really felt like something that would a teenager would love but it was mm, written thank you it was written uh like it was written in a from a literary perspective in the sense that the characters mm-hmm. were extremely well developed the sentences were were very literary you know i mean we've got those, you. you know the, it wasn't just you know how it goes like with some YA books it's all dialogue you know and there's, no, right, 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 there's nothing yeah. in between it but this this book had that lovely set scene setting of 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 what it's what usually comes with a literary novel scene setting character development um like you said uh introspection um you know doubt from the character's uh points of view where they're struggling on the page It usually comes with a literary uh, novel but i would but i really felt like it was a, a, a ya book it would be very comfortable with teenagers, like because there's nothing there. Yeah, for the Perhaps record, so. I'm totally yeah. against
0: dumbing down prose. The, mm-hmm. the the it's for who it's for. <laughs> yeah, it you is. You know what I mean? It's for. Yeah. It's, I I have my daughter. She's ten, and I have her reading PG Boathouse because the way he writes is kind mm. of fun and w- a little whimsical. And it, it's for who it's for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it is or it isn't for yeah. for that person. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I think people make a big mistake if they underestimate the intelligence of I teenage readers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just. I do, Um, and I think I can't. (laughs) I think
1: teenagers would love this because it's real. You know, there's a lot of. I hope so. Yeah, there's a lot of you know authenticity in what teenagers go through um, within the book, and it's not dumbed down. It's not. It's you know, it's it's. I I thought it spanned it really well, and but I know how you feel. I mean, I've heard that (laughs) about most of my books. Uh-huh. Um, maybe that's why they haven't, my the novels I haven't sold is that they're, they, it's the Goldilocks syndrome is what I've heard that it's like, some yeah. people love it for this, but some people love it for this, but because it, it's spanning, right. spanning genres or spanning yeah. age groups. And, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to change them you know, find, yeah. find no, nor should you. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, and it actually made reading the book made me feel uh, more confident about some other stuff that's going out, um, that way. Good. So, good, good. well, it was great to talk to you again, uh, as yeah. everybody ah. can know, we, we, uh, Shane has hosted these with us before. And <laughs> uh, so we're very comfortable on the mic together. Um, and so, and, the, and I love it. So, um, it, yeah, the, the and this are,
2: isolation has been too long. It's I know, good to it's see crazy. you. It's <laughs> crazy. And,
1: and so Scrapple is the novel and the and the and the Chapuk is The Heart Keeps Faulty Time. The Heart Keeps Faulty Time. So please pick them up you guys we got a lot of loan time order them and 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 get reading uh this is case johnson this is literally podcast where we, we were talking with shane griffiths today uh about her two new books of, uh, that came out in 2020 right in the middle of a pandemic um so i'm so sorry about that. I, I know. Um, thank you yeah, uh, thanks thanks for joining us again yep okay talk soon